All right, let's do it, fellas. Let's get into Galadians. Gladiators. Can we get a gladiator soundbite real quick? No, absolutely no, not. We're late. Yeah, absolutely okay. not. No chance. Just make one yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very close. I'll just clip that. It also sounded a little bit like a sea lion, but. Are we on, Mark? Yeah. All right, guys. Before we start this episode, I'd really like you to give me your best gladiator impression. <clears throat> Roar. <laughs> was that a remix? A remix gladiator? No, that was my uh, war cry. Sparta! Is that Kenny's version of a gladiator? Who's Kenny? From South Park? I didn't, I never watched South Park. South Park! I never watched South Park. Who killed Kenny? That's all I know about <laughs> South Park. Who killed Kenny? Or something like that. Yeah. Somebody killed Kenny. Something like that, right? You gotta cut those coughs, man. Those coughs are well, some, disgusting. Sometimes I like I, how I, can't. I was trying to make a statement to you, and your response to me was, mm. <laughs> "What? What? <laughs> All I know is the I kill Kenny thing. That's South Park, right?" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Bible diggers, ding or no ding. What's up, everybody? I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. And we are Bible Dingers. Bible Dingers. Start every single episode with Ding or No Ding, where I come up with a news headline. And Ryan and Mark have to decide whether it's Ding real or No Ding. Is this Ding ding real? Fake. Is this Ding real? Are you guys ready for this? Yep. I said, Ding yeah! Are you ready for this? Oh, ding, yeah. Loud fart. Gives away suspect's hiding spot. Leads to arrest. Oh, man. I uh, I have my answer. Do you? Me too. Yeah. Yep. To ding or not to ding? That is the question. What? what is the answer? What? What do you think, guys? Ding. 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 Fart. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. ding. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me that farty ding, bro. According to the Clay County Sheriff's Office over the weekend, Liberty Police were searching for a person who a felony warrant for arrest. The person was wanted for possession of a controlled substance. The suspect hid to avoid police, but apparently let out a fart so loudly it gave up their hiding spot. Should have controlled that substance, am I right? We've got to give props to Liberty PD for using their senses to sniff him out. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Me too. You're listening to Bible Dingers Podcast. Show 50 mo. If you love me, let me know. Total pole, holy spirit. Look, holy spirit on the speed down. Probably still can spit a heater on the scene now. Yay, so today's episode is about what, Riri? Galadians. Galadians. Also known as Galatians. <clears throat> and today we are going to start, as we always do, with the. 
Where is the title? Well, let me tell you. Most of Paul's letters are titled after the city in which the church he's writing to is located. If you've made it this far in season five and you do not know that yet, then what is life? Are you doing? Galatians is unique, though, because there has been a bit of debate to exactly whom this letter is written. Galatians can either be referring to a people group or a Roman province. So for most of church history, people have believed that this was written to the Galatian people group. This was a group of Gaul, which was uh, Celtic tribes. The the Seagulls, right? Yeah, the Gauls. The Seagulls? Yeah, the Seagulls. There was, well, there's the Seagulls and there was the Land Gauls, but both of them were Celtic tribes. Ah. They were people who migrated from Western Europe, like France and Belgium area, over to part of Turkey. The area these migrants occupied in Turkey was known as Galatia. In 25 BC, this area became a Roman province and was expanded southward. This new territory was now a Roman province called Galatia, and it included the cities of Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derb. Derb. Derb, 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 derb. <laughs> Where do you live, Derb? Up until the mid-18th century, the church believed this letter was written to the Galatian people group, meaning the Gauls that migrated to Turkey that we just talked about. People believe that on Paul's second missionary journey, he stopped through the northern part of the Galatia region and planted churches among this people group, although that is not explicitly stated in the Bible. However, the common consensus now is that Paul was writing to the churches that he planted within the southern portion of the Galatian province that became part of the Roman Empire in 25 BC. It makes more sense because the Bible specifically mentions his visit to this part of Galatia on his first missionary journey. There are other points that support the recipients of this letter being churches in the southern part of the Galatian province, but I don't want to spend the whole time uh, expositing the title of the book for this episode. But this letter is unique because most of his letters are addressed to a church in a certain city, while this letter is addressed to churches in a region or something that's more like a state if you're uh, an American and you identify with cities and states versus provinces and regions. Not like you Canadians. You guys have provinces, right? Answer me, Canadians. No clue. Oh. Oh, I'm not in Canada. You got provinces, eh? There's Ottawa, Toronto, maple syrup. <laughs> Where do I live? I live in maple syrup. <laughs> Derp. Derp. <laughs> The Mapesip Derp. Who wrote this? That's the question. What is the answer? Ooh, that answer is Paul. Oh! Are you doing? Yeah, so Paul is definitely the author of the book, and that fact is widely uncontested. No one really tries to argue against that. And there are many internal and external evidences that point to Pauline authorship. Let's go through some of those. So there are internal reasons. Paul names himself writer in the salutation in verse 1 of chapter 1. And Paul names himself writer within the body of the text in chapter 5, verse 2. Then chapters 1 and 2 are autobiographical and the events are confirmed by the book of Acts. One more internal clue is the theology in Galatians is the same that he taught in his other writings like Romans. And we discussed that in the last episode as well. Look at you. 
everything that he's talking about, he spoke about over and over again. But there are also some external clues. Paul's authorship was confirmed by Arrhenius, Clement of Alexandria, and Origen. And his authorship was confirmed even by a heretic, Marcion. <laughs> Mar- I thought it was Marky, Marcion. Marcion? Like, like our very own Marcion. Yeah, Marcion. I'm sorry, guys. Marky. We got to make it a soundbite. On. All right. Next is the date of authorship. Bible dingers. So in chapter two, Paul describes his visit to the Jerusalem council, which we see recorded in Acts 15. Most scholars date the Jerusalem council around 49 AD. So this letter was likely written shortly thereafter. Next historical context. So uh, we've gone through a lot of context in past episodes about Paul and his life and his missionary journeys. So hopefully by now you guys sort of have a good idea about the background of Paul's ministry. The one thing I wanted to hit on for Galatians that we have also mentioned in episodes past, but we haven't really expounded on too much, is Judaizers. So the Judaizers were a group of people that were telling new Christians that besides coming to salvation through Jesus, they also needed to follow all the old Jewish traditions. They were arguing against the foundation that Paul and the apostles had laid in these churches that they planted. We see these people popping up in several different epistles, and it was a real problem in the early church, including the churches in Galatia. Gotcha. Next up is general purpose of the book. And Paul wrote this in order to defend salvation by grace, through faith, alone, as the Judaizers were spreading their false doctrine throughout the churches of Galatia. Noise. 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 Next up is everyone's, and I mean everyone's favorite part of the show. And that is Fun Facts. Oh, we're going with the long bite. Long bite. We're going with the long bite. This Jeez, is everyone's that favorite. That was a fun fact. This is my mother's favorite. This is my your father's favorite. This is Donald Trump's favorite. This my is G-pops. Mickey Mouse. Your G-Pops. My Everybody G-mas. loves this part. And when I'm on the street, everyone's like, oh, those fun facts are my favorite part. Yeah, can we talk about the G-Mas for a second? Yeah. So someone called out of work. Yeah. And the person texted me and was like, my G-Mas daughter got sick. And I can't come to work. Oh. And then she put in parentheses, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about that for a moment? Yeah, we can. I literally looked at the text <laughs> and I put the phone down <laughs> and I went right back to what I was doing. Yeah. My G-Ma's daughter. AKA. Got sick. Formerly known as my mom. My G-Ma's granddaughter <laughs> doesn't want to come to work. Yeah, yeah. But more importantly, let's hit on these fun facts. Gee, Ma, are you sick right now? Is she pa there? (laughs) Gee, pa, are you there? Galatians and Romans lay out essentially the same arguments. Some have called Galatians a short Romans. Next up, Galatians was incredibly important during the Reformation. It was so important that some called it the cornerstone of the Protestant Reformation. Did you know that, Marky? <laughs> I did not. Mark Aon. That's right. Not Mark Aoff. 
<laughs> Next up, Martin Luther was especially attached to Galatians and referred to the book as his wife. Weirdo. <laughs> Why are you hitting me with the bras three times in a row in a different octave? Three bra. Hit me with something else. Bruh. Okay, there are one, two, three, four, five sections of Galadians. Boo, you stink! And I'm going to talk about the first two and a half, three and a half sections. And then Nick will talk about the last two and a half sections. Daddy loves ducks. The first one is the introduction. I put this section in every Hold on, bro. What? Hold on. Oh. It's outline time. It's outline time. It's it's outline time. <laughs> okay. It's outline time. <laughs> Bible dinger. Okay, so the first part is the introduction. That is simply the first 10 verses of the book. Starts with the salutation in chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And this is where Paul says highs. And then after that, in verses 6 through 10. Why are you talking so quick, bro? Sound like you're fast forwarding. And then in verses 6, we have the distortion of the gospel. So this is where Paul talks about how if anybody comes to you preaching a gospel other than what you have heard, let them be accursed. All right? So that's the first section. It's sort of the introduction to Galatians. Just one singular curse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the second section is the personal defense of Paul's gospel. And this is chapters one and two. And he sort of gives different reasons of why you can believe his gospel. And the first one is the source of his gospel. And in verses 11 through 17 of chapter 1, he talks about how he did not receive any gospel from humans, but it was revealed to him directly by God. Are you doing? And then the next offense is uh, that he also did have a relationship with the apostles and was accepted into the apostles. So he's giving arguments for how he's separate from the apostles, yet he still works with the apostles because there's some questions around that because he wasn't part of the original apostles. Am I right? Hmm. So he went and he mentions how he went and saw Peter and James, but was still relatively unknown at the time. There were, however, rumors that a man who used to persecute the church is now preaching the gospel and people were praising God because of this rumor. And so he went to see Peter and James sort of to clarify the rumor. And he says, yes, it's true. He said it like that? Yeah. Hmm. And then we get into chapter two. And this is where he talks about his interdependence with the other apostles. And he basically went to Jerusalem and spent time with them. And they gave him their blessing to continue preaching the gospel that he was preaching. So he's using... Arguments for outside the apostleship, God gave me the gospel directly, and then also inside the apostleship by saying, the apostles who were with Jesus also blessed the gospel and told me to continue preaching this gospel. And in fact, he went so far as to correct another apostle while he was in Jerusalem in verses 11 through 21 of chapter 2. And what happened here was Paul corrected Peter because Peter was allowing legalism to creep in and he was partially supporting it. 
And when we're talking about legalism, Nick talked about it a little bit in the last episode, and we talked about it a little bit uh, in the context part of this episode. This was the Judaizers who were finding their way into the early church and saying that these Gentiles that were coming into Christianity needed to follow the Mosaic law and the Pharisaic law as well. And Peter was allowing this to creep in a little bit and was actually supporting it a little bit. So Paul confronted him to his face, is what it says. Get that out of my face! He said, get that Judaizer out of my face. Mm. So that is the first two major sections of Galatians. Then we move into the third major section of Galatians, which is chapters 3 and 4. And this is a theological affirmation of salvation by faith. So he gives a few arguments here for why or how or what or who or when we get salvation by faith. Keep it going. Or in which way... The first is the experiential argument, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. So he uh, uses their experiences and says, Did you, Galatians, receive salvation through hearing and faith, or did you receive it through your good work? So he's appealing to their own experience. Next, he uses scripture to support his argument. And this is in verses 6 through 14 of chapter 3. And he basically uses different scriptures from the Old Testament here that are used to show that salvation comes through faith and that those under law are under a curse and must obey the law. However, Jesus became a curse for us. And so we are no longer under the law because he became a curse for us, and we are saved through faith. Next is the logical argument. So there's the experiential, the scriptural, and lastly, the logical argument. And that's verses 15 through 29 of chapter 3. And this is where Paul explains that God promised Abraham that salvation would come through his seed, singular, not seeds, plural. So he's saying the singular seed refers to Jesus. If salvation comes from works, then it would not come from God's promise to to bring about salvation through the seed. It would be due to our own doing, not based upon Abraham's seed. So, Those are three arguments for why salvation comes by faith and not by works. Look at you. Next up, we have chapter four, and we have another series of illustrations. The domestic illustration, the historical illustration, and the biblical illustration. In the beginning of chapter four, um, we have the domestic illustration. So basically, the contrast presented in the previous chapter between imprisonment under the law in chapter 3 and new relationships in Christ at the end of uh, verse 29 is now clarified by an illustration drawn from a household where sons were treated as slaves until they received the full rights of sons at the age of maturity. This illustration is given to dramatize what life was like under the supervision of the law, and we can now enjoy the full rights as sons as those who are in Christ. Next, we have the historical illustration in chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. This is where Paul is saying, become like me. He is calling for the Galatians to imitate him in his loyalty to the truth of the gospel. This is where we have uh, one of the, um, the, probably the most famous things that Paul has ever said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have the biblical illustration in chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. After this personal appeal... 
of Paul saying, become like me, Paul gives us a biblical illustration of Isaac and Ishmael. The interesting point about this passage is that it is used by people that obviously don't have a proper biblical hermeneutic to accuse Paul of twisting and distorting scripture because he takes a literal historic story of Hagar and Sarah's children and tells us to look at it allegorically. But if we look at every detail of his analogy, we'll see that it's perfect and we'll see that it's a perfect fit to his overall point. The children of the free women, so to speak, who were born by the power of the Spirit, must learn to express their freedom by walking in the Spirit. Next up, we have practical application to Christian living in chapters 5 and 6. Balance in the Christian life is presented to us in chapter 5. And that's broken up into three parts. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, we see what it's like living without the law. In other words, we are not saved by the law, but by faith. And in verses 13 through 15 of chapter 5, we see Paul telling us that we should live without license. And although we are saved by grace and faith alone, we are not to use that as a license to keep continuing in sin. You know, whenever I, um, whenever I'm like driving or something like that, and I get pulled over by a police officer and don't have my license with me, I always tell him, bro, Paul. have you read Galatians five thirteen through 15, where it says that I do not have a license? Yeah. I'm religiously exempt <laughs> from driving with a license. Read it right here. I do not have license to sin. Or drive. He is not a man of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Next up, in part three of chapter five, in verses 16 through 26, we have living by the Holy Spirit. Living in order, by him. In order to continue living a God-glorifying life, it's very simple. We are to walk by the Spirit. Simple as that. Then we have responsibilities of the Christian life in chapter six, first ten verses toward sinning Christians, toward burdened Christians, toward teachers, and to all people. So toward sinning Christians in six one, we are to restore them gently and keep watch of ourselves so that we don't fall into temptation while we're dealing with them. Um, but we are to restore them in a gentle way. As Ryan uh, suggested, what was it, the previous episode or this one? I don't know. Yeah, we are to deal with people <laughs> gently that's not to say we don't call out their sins. Oh, yeah. That's, we are second Corinth- that's Paul's work with them. severe letter, so on and so forth. Yeah. Shout out to our Second Corinthians episode that we released last week, mm-hmm. but recorded 15 minutes ago. Yeah. I hear it shouting right back at, at you. Yeah. Call out people's sins. Yeah. Then we have Paul's point about to- uh, burdened Christians in chapter 6, verses 2 through 5. Basically, this is where I mentioned where he says, bear one another's burden. That's one of our responsibilities as Christians, to actually care for others, love our neighbor, and serve them, and feel their pain sometimes, and be there for them. Next up, towards teachers, Paul has something to say in verses 6 through 9. And basically, in short, he's trying to drive home the point that we are to support solid teachers of the Bible that care about the gospel, that care about truth, that care about presenting it in the way that the Bible presents it, not in a false way, like the Judaizers. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sorry, the what? The Dudyizers. <laughs> the Dudyizers. Next, his point towards all people in verse 10. Do good works. Basically, love your neighbor. You know, like I said before, we are to serve others. And all people are really supposed to do that. We're all supposed to do good works, right? Mm. Not that it saves us, but it just the, the right way to be is to actually serve and, and be pleasing to others. Yeah. Then we have the conclusion in chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. In contrast to the prideful boasting of the false teachers of his time, Paul reaffirms his commitment to the cross of Christ. We are to only boast in the true gospel message, teach truth. This is basically what Paul is drilling home over and over again, even in other letters. The importance of truth and not just having it in our heads, but also having it in our hearts so that we can live out the gospel that we claim. Hmm. That's it. That's it. It's the book that of Galatians. Our episode on Galatians. I feel like we might have missed a golden opportunity with the word Judaizers and how they judged people. Like a mm. Judge Judy type of pun there. Uh, judge Judy. Judaizers judging. Judge Judy. But I couldn't Isers. think of any, you know. Yeah. At least I was able to say that I was trying to, to think say yeah. of, a of a joke that was like, like that. Hey guys, I was trying to think of a joke, I'm, but I I'm couldn't funny. think of a joke. So yeah. I'm going to tell you that I'm thinking about a joke so that you can think I'm funny. I swears I'm funnies. Yeah. 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 Well, I, sometimes I think I'm annoying. I think that I, I, myself. <laughs> I would have to agree with you. I agree. You are super annoying. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. So if you did enjoy this episode and this is the first time that you're listening to us and you are not a part of then where can they find more about us, Ryan? Uh, all kinds of places. We post all over the place, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're moving into the YouTube world, as you've probably seen if you're following us. Uh, we're all over social media. We post blogs. So it's a lot to keep track of. So the easiest way to keep track of it is just by going to BibleDingers.com. That soundbite always gets me because I think, because it sounds like you're laughing in real life, but the laugh is just part of the soundbite. Yep. So it always confuses me. My nose laugh? Yeah. BibleDingers.com. <laughs> I'd never heard that before until you pointed it out. Yeah. Yeah, so you can go to BibleDingers.com. We have everything posted up on there all together in one place. Also, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to, this is 100% patron-supported ministry. So uh, our patrons get some exclusive access to things like behind-the-scenes stuff. They get early access to podcasts and YouTube videos. They get our scripts, actually. We post our scripts because we give a lot of information. And so a lot of times, if you have the script next to your Bible... It's easy to understand with that outline being there. Absolutely. And it's sort of like a study Bible. You know, you read your study Bible, it gives you the author and the purpose, stuff like that. Yeah. You, you can get that from our patron page as well. We sort of give that up. We have Discord chats, Instagram chats, Bible studies, lots of stuff. So Yeah, and the, the, the option is as low as $1 a month, and you get access to everything. Yep. You don't have to be a high tier or anything like that. I mean, there are incentives to go that high, but if you don't have it and you have a dollar a month, we appreciate you, and we put it all towards our ministry. Yeah, and I did want to give a shout-out to Austin, one of our new patrons. Uh, he has been awesome. He's he's a great guy, and I, I love him. I love him, too. I love him, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy. I even got an email about him just now. Oh, is that what it is? Because it actually says something about Michael on your email. Yeah, it's Michael's birthday, but they meant Austin. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, okay. The computers are dumb, but I'm yeah. not. Yeah, I see. It meant Austin. I see. Anyway, but if you don't have any money to give towards the ministry, we totally appreciate you, and we still want you a part of our family, and you can definitely gain access to a lot of what we offer through our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You could actually search us at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there, just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit follow, hit like, and most importantly, ding on. Bible Dingers. Faces. God is the patient, cause I know in time you will see when you taste it. And I know, face it, God is the patient.